What do you love about being outside and active? I'm, I'm sure I've spent more time outdoors than in. That just feels like home. Enjoy what you can do because you never know what is around the corner. Just being outdoors in the fresh air, it just clears my mind. Fully immersed in nature is what brings me the most joy. Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name's Dom and this week we're kicking off season 10 with our special guest, Tony Suter. Tony is the founder of the Ellie Suter Foundation. The purpose of this foundation is to identify and provide support for young people who have a demonstrable talent for winter sports and would otherwise be unable to maximise their potential because of a lack of financial resources. And in this episode of the podcast, Tony talks through the journey of his daughter, Ellie, and the tragic events that took place, which led to the creation of the foundation. This conversation and this story is extremely impactful, but also very educational and very important. So please do listen and thank you to this week's sponsors, the Ellie Suter Foundation and Dry Robe. We'll talk a little bit about both of those later in the episode. But for now, we welcome Season 10's first guest, Tony Suter. Tony, thank you very much for joining me on the Outside and Active podcast. You are the first guest on season 10. I really appreciate you having a chat with me. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, great to be here, to be honest. Thank you. And where are you um, Where are you based at the moment? Where are you? Uh, in Leger, in the French Alps. So, yeah, it's quite uh, nice and warm at the moment. Lots of mountain biking going on, but not a lot of skiing. Not a lot of skiing, not a lot of snow there. Well, there's less snow in England at the moment. I'm looking out the window and there is 25 degrees and sun and definitely no snow. Quite different to the Alps, I imagine. Yeah, you've had amazing weather. It's normally like that for us here, but (laughs) we have sort of rain most days for some reason. It's still quite hot, but overcast in the evenings and a lot of rain. Well, we've switched. (laughs) We've switched. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining me and coming on as a guest. We kick off off every podcast in the same way, and that's by me offering you a piece of advice that someone who has been a guest on the podcast before has left for you. And this piece of advice comes from uh, an amazing expert climber called Pete Whittaker, who was the last guest on season nine. And his advice is quite to the point and very short. It's to take opportunities. Uh, He is is very much of the feeling that he takes opportunities as soon as they come, whether it's to travel, whether it's to try something new. So he wanted to pass that along. How do you take that advice in your life in terms of taking opportunity? Yeah, I I, I totally agree, actually. Um, You know, it's to be honest, you know, you only get one shot at it. So yeah, I think making the best of every available opportunity is a very good sound advice for anybody, to be honest. Absolutely. And the other thing that we ask to every guest is, what do you love about being outside and active? What do you love about the outdoors? Um, since a young child, I was brought up outdoors. Um, my mother used to um, run a horse yard so we were muck and bullets and playing in the muck heap and um, just being outdoors in the fresh air the whole time as a family um, with uh, two elder uh, brother uh, yeah, I was down one, dragged around and, and dragged outside and put on horses at a young age and I just love being outside it's good for the soul um, it's very very good for your mental health uh, 
and being active, I'm never active enough, I don't think, but uh, but being active as well, you know, healthy body, healthy mind. So, um, yeah, I just I'd. Absolutely. And your relationship with the outdoors, I mean, we've just heard from you when we, we started up there is you're in the Alps, uh, uh, in the mountains at the moment. Your relationship with the outdoors has been, been mainly through the snow industry, hasn't it? Well, yeah, I didn't move all the snow, um, although I loved it. Um, I literally moved. Um, I seem to, I got stuck into a rut in the UK where I was just chasing on to keep up with the Joneses and far too many hours. And I was literally searching for quality of life. And I just thought, what, you know, Let's just make a change and see what it's like. We could always come back if it didn't work. Um and up with the place and just absolutely loved it. And yeah, um, it is stressful and easier going. Uh, if we back, as you know, uh, for lunch, uh, they're, they're very family orientated. I don't know. It's just, yes, and, and you're outdoors. So, you know, I live in the world's biggest playground, to be honest, in the summer months. It's okay. huge. You can do anything you like, walking, hiking, kayaking, beer for our It doesn't cost, you know, it costs very little. So, yeah, it's a beautiful place to live. Yeah, I mean, talking of opportunities that was Pete's advice, I've never taken the opportunity to go to such an amazing place. But whenever I see photos when friends have been skiing or to the mountains, the views look incredible. They always, especially when there's a good snow cover and it's good weather, the views that you can get in that part of the world, they look amazing. So I'm slightly jealous that that's, uh, that's something you get to, to enjoy. Um, but, but your story, I've, yeah. I've been, I've been looking forward to having the conversation with you because the work that you do with the foundation that we're going to speak about in a while is, is truly change, you know, changes people's lives. Um, and I, I want to spend the first part of the conversation talking about your, your life that kind of led to the point where, where you are now. I mean, I, I say that you have a relationship with the snow industry and that, that began with your daughter, Ellie, who took up snow, snowboarding at the age of 12 and, and then very shortly afterwards, was scouted by GB Snow Sports. Talk to me a bit about that period and how you fell into the snow sports industry. Yeah, well, she was um, she she was a very very accomplished skier. Um, she could follow me down anything really. Black runs a lot by the age of twelve. But um, yeah, she was at school. She she'd done some competitions in skiing um, and not being in a club, if you like, kept winning medals because she was the only one that wasn't in a local club and then when she went to college secondary school she came back after the first week and went dad you need to buy me a snowboard um, <laughs> and I was like what why so I want to start snowboarding I was like no really she went yes really dad I want to start snowboarding so off we trundled I got a snowboard and some kit and some boots and, and she went off to school and came back and just said I absolutely love this this is really nice and within and it was literally a matter of weeks and months. She was actually just hanging out on our local mountain with some friends uh, on Montcherie and Leger and um, 
Team GB were up there training um, the elite junior squad, um, and I think it was the border. Yeah, it was the border cross squad. They were they were just training up there um, with the half pipe guys, and they spotted her, and she came running into. I had a bar at the time, and um, she came running in. It was Six Nations, very busy, and she's <laughs> running up and down the other side of the bar, going, "Dad, Dad." You've got to have your phone and you've got to have your phone and Team GB are going to, they want to trial me. I went, yeah, okay, Ellie. No, 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 <laughs> they spotted me today and they want to trial me. Um, but they're going to phone you in about an hour. Okay, Ellie. And sure enough, they did. Wow. Um, and she uh, she went for a trial on the, they said, could she come out of school on the Wednesday and trial and meet the boy yeah, for, for a trial? So I took her up there and, um, yeah, she came home. They dropped her back and said, "Absolutely great. Um, we'll send a contract to her." And she was signed up to GB Elite Junior Team for um, half pipe and uh, and border cross. So it went from there, really. And um, yeah, she just, you know, it was one of those that just had a natural ability to make. Uh, I remember seeing her in the half pipe, and there was other girls, um, some of uh, you know her competitors from other countries and French and and, um, and also English and they were all training together and I was watching this competition and they, even though the other girls were getting a lot more air and probably doing bigger tricks mm. and he just made it seem to look graceful it was like ballet <laughs> um, and there didn't look like there was any effort in it in, in it for her you know I mean there was and obviously but it, it was just a natural stance I think on a board she took to it like a duck to water, and um, yeah, it, she was just very made it look very good and very easy. Although you know, you know, it's far from it because I have tried, <laughs> and I still ski. <laughs> so at, at that point, then, when they they send the contract over, and there's such a good feeling around, you know, this this is so exciting and new. What level does this then step up to? Well, that that then steps up to competitions. And the first, her coach said the first competition would be the Brits. Um, and it was only in a month's time from when she'd started. Um, so it was towards the end of the season they'd picked her up. Um, she had a month to train for the British Championships, which was... Um, Oh, I can't remember. It wasn't team. I think it was um, Lax. Yes, it was Lax. So um, she had to train for the for the for the border cross and half pipe in for both um, disciplines. And a week before she went, um, oh, no, 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 sorry. Her first ever training um, under contract training day with Team GB. Um, they were doing these big rollers and going over all of these big rollers to simulate a border cross course training on them. And everybody, all the other kids had stopped and her coach said she just wanted to carry on and carry on. So she said, can I do another run? And she did and then fell awkwardly and broke her wrist. Mm. Um, And so she had um, six weeks in a cast and uh, the Brits was in four weeks. So her coach said to me, I'm really sorry, but you know, it looks like she's, She's out of this. And um, she went to see the doctor the second time after the cast had sort of stayed on. She went to see the doctor and make sure everything's okay. And she said, am I allowed to snowboard in this? And the doctor said, yes, of course you can. 
Um, you won't be able to do any damage to it while it's in that, but just don't hit anybody else with it. <laughs> so she went to the Brits, uh, she carried on training and went to the Brits and, and won. So oh, wow. became British champion. Um, yeah, <laughs> with, a, with a, a broken wrist. So um, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to the first sponsor of this week's episode, the Ellie Suter Foundation. The foundation was set up to support young winter sports athletes through fundraising initiatives and coaching them through the pressures of professional competition following the tragic death of Eli Suter in 2018. Running to Win, their official merchandise brand, was founded to help with raising funds with all profits going towards the foundation, which in turn funds the athletes. Importantly, the foundation is now focused on raising awareness of the dangers of concussion and has recently parted with Impact Online Concussion Testing. The Impact Baseline Test is an online assessment which measures functioning of the brain in a healthy state. Take the test and store it on the free app provided so you can carry it with you. In the unfortunate event you experience a concussion, you can then sit a post-traumatic test to help medical professionals determine changes from your original test and help you with your recovery. Concussion, if not treated properly, can seriously impact the quality of your life. Protect your brain health and purchase your online test at www.theellysuter.foundation. And this is obviously all, all, all quite early on, but is there, like you said, she took to this sport and snowboarding like a duck to water but yeah the enjoyment level was she just enjoying every moment of doing it every she every minute she could she wanted to be on a snowboard mm. yeah it was it was difficult to get her to come home from school and do homework you know she she just literally i mean it was lovely because in school out here in, in france you PE is snowboarding in the winter, you know, or That's skiing, amazing. whichever one, whichever discipline you want. You can take, you can choose whether to, to you know, to do whatever snow sport you want to do. So um, hers was obviously um, snowboarding. And once she was in um, GB Junior Elite Team, they were very forgiving and let her, you know, take time off and train. Um, so, yeah, but it, it soon became a bit of an issue with school because um, – you know, competition started coming thick and fast in the second year. Um, and schoolwork was going to suffer because um, she wasn't in a sport F college mm. in France. She was in a private school in France in um, in abundance just over the mountain from where we are. And she was bored in there. So um, it soon became apparent that she needed to be out of school. So um, we actually... Um, signed up to Oxford University um, GCSE studies online. Um, so she actually homeschooled. So she had a homeschool package. We had to um, get that clear with the authorities in France, but that's all okay. Once you prove that you're doing the work and you've signed up to a package, it's all not a problem. Um, and she actually, luckily, fortunately for me, she was very good at studying. She wanted mm. to study as well as, you know, she enjoyed studying, she enjoyed school, and she enjoyed learning. So, um, yeah, it didn't take, it wasn't a real, you know, me pushing her to go snowboarding or, or, or to do school work in lieu of snowboarding. She'd actually come back and do that herself. But, and, and, and would, I mean, 
did that put pressure on on her trying to balance both of those things because like you said there's the enjoyment level but already there's a there's a time there where she's had to drop out of school and and homeschool and she she did it and she was quite happy to do that but the was that was that a stressful time or was that quite just a well we have to do this to try and try and help her no she was um she she was very aware that um you know she was in the early days it was fine because she was absolutely she was probably doing better in school homeschooling than she was actively being at school messing around with friends Mm. um because you just have to learn to knuckle down do your schoolwork, and once it's done and it's something you can't cheat either because you have to send your assignments off online and they, you know, you have tutors for each subject. They then go back to, um, you know, a, a, a parent advisor, which every child is given. And then, and then the parent advisor advises me on how she's getting on and where she should be and what she should be doing. And, you know, and, and there was never a real problem with that. Um, English, because she was living in France, we had an English tutor and the English tutor ended up becoming the overseeing all the schoolwork because obviously the minute I get involved, it would have been, you know, it's like, no, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, Dad, just stay out of it. So, um, yeah, I, I ended up employing the English teacher to, to make sure that the education side of it's going fine. But there never, there never really was a problem with that. And, and that wasn't stressful until later years when you suddenly realise, if I have to stop doing what I'm doing now, how am I, you know, so she was acutely aware that she yeah. might want to go to university in Geneva or something and study finance. She wanted to be a lawyer um, or a detective, something like that. Quite a high profile job, to be honest, <laughs> either of her choices. But, but hyper aware um, that, have... that, that needed that um, safety net's maybe not the right phrase, but a plan B well, just in yeah. case it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work. Exactly, exactly. Um you know, it, it, it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember talking to her about because if you've got X amount of fizz points, you can then go and become, you know, a skiing. She could have gone and worked for ESF and become a snowboard instructor. And yeah. um, you have to ski as well as snowboard, which she did. Um, you don't have to do the, the speed test or the Euro test if your fizz points are up there because of hers would have been, so she wouldn't have had to sit there. Um, but I'm not sure that was something she wanted to do. I don't think she wanted to teach other people snowboarding. Um, she wanted a bit more of a high-profile job, I think, so, and maybe not so seasonal. So she was definitely thinking on the lines of, you know, I want to work in finance and, um, or in, 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 in law in some way or another, you know, solicitor in Geneva or something. I think she was quite aware that she could earn good money um, and having a couple of languages under her belt was quite easy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, I, I think there is always a worry for every child when you get to a certain age, you think, well, I'm going to have to fund myself soon. You know, this is going to stop. And um, and if it stops, what am I going to do? And, and if it doesn't stop, I'm going to need to be able to go to work and fund this myself because, you know, the bank of dad is not going to be there forever sort of thing, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. In, in the in the original days, schooling wasn't really an issue, but it, it it can be. It's very lonely. That I must say. I can, and I can that imagine. Is, yeah, you'd be 
you know, you're stuck with, with you're training a lot with your team and your teammates, and they're your best friends. You know, they're 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 they're, they're like siblings almost because you spend so much time with them. But then the rest of the time, when you're doing schoolwork, you're not associating with people, and you, you know, that's normally where you and I and most people in the world make all of their friends in their mm-hmm. edu- during their education and school days. But when solitary. you're homeschooling, there's, there's none of that's very solitary. So that's quite, you know, that's quite tough, I reckon. And you know, you've got to be, you've got to think about that side of it and and try and make sure that they have a life outside of education, where they can meet people and stuff, and maybe a couple of other hobbies or something like that. But you, yeah, you've you've touched on it there. But what what is the investment from you and from her in terms of? time travel financial because it must put a stress on all of those things and you kind of mentioned it there with studying and being in a solitary position sometimes but there must be other constraints huge constraints um yeah i mean i, I you know i when i moved to france i had a five-year plan with ellie that we buy a run down old barn and a house and in the alps and do it up and you know eventually rent some of it out of the yeet and make a living out of it, you know. And, um, but yeah, once, once she signed up to, um, team GB, um, it was soon became very, um, obvious that certain things were going to have to take a back seat. And, and I made that decision. I mean, I took that decision because I really wanted her to do well. She, it was something I could see, she was extremely good at, and you know, kids don't just get plucked off the mountain like she did. And she was literally plucked off the mountain. We'd like you to train for us. Um, there's normally some other way that they've gone through a system or or clubs or whatever. Ellie didn't do that. She was literally found on the mountain, um, just playing around. And someone said, "You need to sign up for our team." And um, yeah, and soon after that, it, you know, it. it it really does become quite obvious that there's going to have to be some critical investment. I mean, just the kit, mm. let alone then the travel, the coaching fees alone, um, huge. It's a lot of money. Um, you know, we'll be talking about the foundation a bit, but we've got one of our athletes at the moment and his father is absolutely petrified because this season's going to cost his 16 year old son. £55,000 a year for a season. It's, and you know, I remember when Ellie was in it towards the end, it was looking 45,000, you know? Um, and then when, when you become very good and you start, you you know, you're looking to bust into the world cup and those sort of circles, when you're doing really well on the, you know, on the competition side of things, then you need to be training during the summer as well. So then you have Southern Hemisphere training. So these young kids, Ellie was going on her own because I couldn't afford to send her if I had to go with her. So it was staying with a, you know, a parent family over there that would look after her. Um, she'd get on a bus every morning, go up the mountain, um, and you'd pay for coaching, um, you know, and you'd pay the family for hosting her and looking after her. Um, and then the next year, you know, it's like staying in a trailer with some friends on a campsite and the following year it's the same again. So, you know, three years running in the Southern Hemisphere, that starts running into big money just in the summer, let alone the winters of competition. Um, 
And to be honest, when you get that good, you're you're actually competing out there as well. So you start competing in New Zealand and America and places like that. So, and I, yeah, I, I imagine big, she's big she money. she at that point is aware of that investment as well. And and you know, from both of you in both of time and financial, and it is is that yeah. split that we spoke about in terms of enjoyment and pressure. Does that waver and change at all over this period? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it puts a huge amount of pressure on 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 them. Let alone, you know, she knows um, that you know family members are forfeiting, foregoing mm. um, plans and things. You know, all the luxuries in life because you're piling every penny you can into into their sport. And she was acutely aware of how much it was costing me. Um, and how much time and effort I put into trying to get fundraising for her, you know. It was trawling the internet, trying to get sponsors, trawling the internet, trying to get fundraising packages going and stuff like that. And, it, you know, so she was very, very aware. In fact, she actually declined to go to a couple of races because she just said, Dad, we cannot afford to do mm. this, you know. And I said, look, look I, I've chosen to. I don't mind. I'll drive you there. Let's do it. Um, but she was actually, you know, sometimes backing out. And that, you know, for her to be, for, for, for a child of 15, 16, worrying about where the money's coming from to go to a competition, to um, and worrying about, it, 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 that's a pressure they really don't need, you know. Mm. It's, um, it is a shame. There is, in France, you sort of become fully funded. You go to... You, you go to you, um, a sport test college, you get assigned to sport test college, and then the state pays for everything pretty much. It um, shows the difficulty in accessibility, I guess, in that in that world, where how difficult it can be. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, uh, that, you know, uh, I know for a fact that it's um, – some of the other athletes that we that we deal with and speak to, or or that are grant funded by us, you know, their their entire worry is funding and how they're mm-hmm. going to fund it. Um, you know, second to that, it would be um, having an injury because you spend so much time and you invest so much time and money into getting to where you are. Um, if you have a serious injury, that delays you not only the fact that you've got to spend a lot of time rehab and hospital and finances doing that, but then you've got to sort of slowly try and get back to where you were, Mm. let alone, you know, normally you're trying to advance day on day on day with your training, but you have a big period out and then you've got to spend all of that time trying to get back. Mentally, that's as difficult as it is physically for for most athletes, you know, It's, it's really tough. Thank you to Dry Robe for being a sponsor of this episode of the podcast. Dry Robe have been an amazing supporter of us, so we want to say thank you. Dry Robe is the original outdoor changing robe designed to help you get active outside whatever the weather. A bit like having your own portable changing room, the oversized design of the Dry Robe Advance gives you plenty of space to get changed in and out of a wetsuit or sports kit, but is versatile enough to be worn as a coat or a jacket. Made from 100% recycled fabrics, the waterproof and windproof outer protects you from the elements whilst its super warm inner lining helps you dry off quickly after getting out of the water. 
What people really love about the Dry Rub Advance, though, is its versatility. It's perfect for a huge range of outdoor activities, including surfing, wild swimming, triathlon, paddleboarding, mountain biking, camping, and even just walking your dog in torrential rain. To find out more, head to dryrobe.com. Yeah, well, you are talking about injury, I mean, you mentioned broken wrists and other, I guess, relatively minor that you'd expect within the sport, but you concussions became something of of an issue in this i think i mean i think it was four four concussions in four years and probably more that must be an extremely difficult thing to deal with and like you said the time away as well from the sport when you're recovering from that yeah yeah absolutely i mean um i was i was very worried about um the concussions and, um, you know, it, not so much the frequency of them. I mean, yes, it's at least one a year, um, a major concussion. Um, sometimes, too, maybe not as bad, but the effects of them become worse. Um, unfortunately, um, the reality is females are more susceptible to concussion. Snowboarders are 50% more likely to have a concussional head injury from um to a skier so there's 50 percent more chance um yeah that's a quite a a, a sort of in your face um (laughs) effect but um yeah snowboarders are more likely to have um, a concussion um over skiers um and basically you know every time ellie did have a concussion She'd have to sit out, and, and there were a couple of times where she didn't when she should have. Um, you know, even Team GB got on the phone to me one day and were very, very upset with the fact that she'd raced the day after a concussion when she was clearly told not to. Um, and that was, you know, possibly down to the fault of her French, herself and her French coach, who obviously thought she was going to do very well anyway. Mm. And, uh, you know, Veli was saying to her, I'm okay, I'm okay, which, you know, it's like a rugby player. Don't pull me off the pitch, I'm fine. And you're you're actually not. Um, Yeah, so that was the scenario there. But um, but, but Team GB, you know, really went to town and laid it on that this is not how you do this. You know, you don't have an accident like she had. She broke her coach's snowboard in half. In a very big accident, and had and was airlifted off the mountain, and then competed the next day, um, which is ridiculous. Um, got herself out of hospital with her coach's consent and mine, but I didn't know she was. I thought they were going to come home, um, but yeah, got up the next morning and then entered the competition, which shouldn't have been allowed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was being told all the time that she was very young and her brain would actually bind by. Not not just by doctors, but even by professional neurologists, um, that her brain was fine and she's young enough; she'll get over this. Um, and totally, totally inaccurate um, advice. You don't um, just get over it. Um, and if you have several major concussions, every time you have a concussion, um, you're more susceptible to getting a concussion from even a smaller knock. Mm. Um, and the rehabilitation, you know, the recovery will take longer and longer with every, you know, subsequent concussion. Um, so it is extremely dangerous. Um, 
so much so after um, Ellie's tragic death, I was contacted by um, Boston University from the United States saying that there was an article in freeride.com magazine in America stating that she was possibly the fourth athlete that year um, who had taken her own life due to CTE, cerebral traumatic encephalosis, which is brought on by multiple concussions, unbelievably. Um, so I suddenly thought all my life, you know, Boston University were asking me for a biopsy of Ellie's brain, but unfortunately um, she'd already had her funeral, so we couldn't possibly do that, unfortunately. So they said that if we could have given a biopsy, we'd, they'd have probably been able to prove that that's what she was suffering and that's what, you know, she possibly died of. It's terrible because um, you have you have no other choice but to listen to what the doctors and urologists are telling you and if they're saying yeah it'll be fine I guess what what right do you have to necessarily question it that at that time but for that information to actually be wrong and for you know like you said there is a detriment every time that you're having a concussion and it says on your website there's a thought that this brought along a period of depression as well for her as a result of this it's a very difficult thing to try and get your head around yeah, yeah, it it was it was a real slap in the face, to be honest, um, because I'd always believed that I've been told, um, you know, she had a really big concussion just be, um, in March two thousand seventeen, and she was just she just got invited to the Worlds in New Zealand, um, and that was going to be in in July and. You know, she had this massive concussion. She needed to get over it, and she took ninety days off snow. And I took her to see a neurologist in Grenoble, and let's get this checked out and make sure you're fit to go back. They did all the testing, the CT scan, did everything, and said, look, "Look, everything seems fine. I'm sure she, you know, they did reaction time tests and this and the other. Nothing to do with scat tests or cognitive testing as such. It was just a, you know." A verbal sit down with the neurologist, do some do some reaction time testing, um, and then said, "Look, I, I, I believe she's absolutely fine to go back to competition." So, mm-hmm. um, all, all totally incorrect information, to be honest. Um, I look back on it now, and I actually there was no punch in the air for Ellie when that when when that neurologist said that. I think in hindsight now, she wanted him to say enough is enough. Right. Um, Because, you know, she didn't want to let me down. She didn't want to let her team down. She didn't want to let her country down. She wanted, you know, she'd just been to the Olympics, which was the most amazing thing, to win a medal there. You know, she wanted that feeling again, but she, you know, she definitely, definitely did not want um, to have a feeling of concussion again because it really hurt. And it wasn't nice. Um, and she knew that. And she hated the feeling. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, um, all the evidence now um, points to the fact that um, multiple concussions are dangerous and deadly if not treated right. Um, and, you know, I certainly didn't want to go shouting off the rooftops, oh, my God, two weeks after we'd 
at Ellie's funeral, yeah. oh my God, my daughter died of CTE because I didn't want to be seen to be making an excuse for, you know, possibly a mental illness. Um, it, it would have seemed very crass of me to be doing that. So I didn't shout that. But ever since, you know, then we've been looking into and trying to lobby um, GB Snow Sports and other people in sports to actually take notice of, awareness you know, the of fact that we... We need, yeah, bring awareness of concussion and we need some, some some really simple things put in place. One of the biggest faults, and I will say this because I'd love every parent of every athlete or every athlete to know what you must do with concussion is you write down your symptoms, you write down when, the, when, it, when it happened, how long the recovery took, what your symptoms were, and whenever you go to a doctor um, about a concussion, or subsequent concussion, take those details with you. Had I have gone to that neurologist in Grenoble with all of the details of all the previous concussions, I don't think he'd have let her walk out of there. He'd have probably put her in a wheelchair and said, just, hey, you definitely aren't going snowboarding. Um, but I wasn't told I ever needed to do that, so I didn't ever. You know, we said to him very laxly, oh, yeah, she's had a concussion before. She, she had a couple, you know, one a year ago, and blah, blah, blah. But you don't list them off. And I never recorded all of the dates of all of the concussions and, you know, how long was she knocked out for? Yeah, you um, don't think you'd you know, need to, what yeah. was the recovery period? And that is so, so important. You really need, every athlete needs to keep that information with them because that will make a, one day someone will make a serious, serious decision for you to say you need to stop this or you could be putting your life at risk. Absolutely, and that's so that where that's important. where awareness awareness is is so important because you literally you know having concussions isn't something to be messed around with, and they they're starting to take it more seriously. I see in, um, in rugby certainly where they and football where they take the decision away from the actual player, um, but again, there's even things like that of no, noting down. Um, I guess in everyday life, but noting down if you have a concussion, what the symptoms are and where and when it's not something you would necessarily think of. So having that awareness could be so important. No, no. And, um, you know, the, the, the most important tool now for any athlete, any athlete, rugby, sports, snow sports, whatever you do, if you're doing anything, in the days when Ellie was getting knocked about and, you know, um, and young kids do, it's not the elite athletes that are smashing their heads every five minutes. It's the kids trying to become elite athletes. So it's the juniors and the young ones and the ones in the clubs trying to aspire to be elite athletes. They're the ones bashing their bunces around all day, every day. Um, and it's those that we need to protect. And in, in, the, in the years that Ellie was doing what she was doing, it would have probably cost me to go and get, um, you know, a concussion test, a, a baseline, what we call now a baseline test. And, and it, so it, it's basically a test of your brain at its natural, healthy state. So what you need to do now, what, what the, these would have cost a lot of money in, in the days that Ellie was facing. Now, um, we've managed to get these down to, you know, the, the foundation of selling these at 12 euros each. I mean, it's nothing, nothing. it's 10 quid. Mm. You know, if a group wants to come and buy something like a, a club, we'll do a huge discount on multiple bookings of them. But it's basically, it's the world's leading online baseline test. You can take it remotely from wherever you are in the world. Um, you sit 
a 20-minute test online and it tests your neurocognitive responses for, you know, um, speed um, uh, and, and, and all of the things that it needs to test. You can't cheat the test either, which is lovely. It changes, so you can't sit it and then sit it again to get a better test. Yeah. You, you can only sit it once. There's 20 minutes to do it. You can't cheat it. You can't learn it because it changes. Um, and it gives you a score. Basically, let's say, you know, for um, uh, an easy reckoning, let's say it gives you 78% of 100 in your neurocognitive test as a healthy brain. Great. You go and have a concussion, then you can sit a post-traumatic test and they can, they can test you against that and then that gives you, um, that gives the, the medical professional who's, sitting this post-concussion test with you, can there's then got evidence based as to whether you're fit and able to go back onto the piece or onto the pitch, and or no, you need some further medical help sort of thing. So that is... Um, yeah, they can, that's, they, they can see if there's a big difference in those cognitive functions. Exactly. Right. And until you're back to within, you know, let's say you do a post-traumatic test and you, you might come back and instead of 78%, you might be 81 because you might not, you might have got over your concussion um, and your brain may have, you know, if if you sit this test every year, your brain, it could be 11 months old, your last test, and you, you your brain function might have increased by then. Um, so you could have a higher score and yes, you're fine. But if you... You know, if it comes back as 50%, then no, sorry, you need to take a bit more time off the snow and then sit another test a couple of weeks later and, and just make sure. But it's so simple, and that protects these kids. Um, that's the point as well. You know, it's, it's so simple. That's that's, that's so the, simple. probably the frustration as well. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, the foundation has been trying to sell these now for a few months, but it, it's very difficult. People seem to think it's a test that we're trying to sell that you do if you have a concussion. It's not. It's a test you do to give you – it's a baseline test of your brain in its normal healthy function that can be used at any time, stored on an app on your phone that's free with the, along with the test. And it keeps all of your data, all of your um, your test results, and – any previous concussions, etc., symptoms, anything like that, all can be stored on one simple app. You have it with your phone. If you ever, God forbid, have a really nasty concussion um, or, or even a minor concussion, you can then go and sit a post-traumatic test, which costs slightly more because it needs to be done with a, with a consultant, but um, it's not expensive. It, it is covered and will be covered by your insurance because you've had an accident. And to be honest, if you've had a concussion, you've probably been taken off the slopes, yeah. you know, on a um, by a helicopter or in a dead sled down to a medical centre or off a pitch, you know, by the doctors. But normally, nine to that ten, it definitely in snow sports, your 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 medical insurance will cover this because it's, you know, it's um, making sure you're healthy before you go back to sport. The last thing they, the insurance companies want is for you to be signed off, go back to sport and then have a bigger accident mm. because you've got concussion. Absolutely. So, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. talk about the, the foundation because you do some incredible work, work and support people um, that, that are they're making their way in, in the industry. 
but obviously there's a reason that the foundation came about and if you're comfortable in your own words talking about what happened shortly after 2018 when I believe Ellie accidentally missed a flight to a training camp yeah yeah it was all yeah it was extremely sad circumstances um feeling like she'd let her team down feeling like she'd let me down her coach down um just through you know the simple thing of missing a flight then me um packing her bags incorrectly because I didn't put a salad pets in there sending a friend to drive and pick her up from the airport and take her to the camp a day late in Saspay, you know, then realising she had to, or outdoors, I think it was, and then, you know, phoning me up at six o'clock next morning, Dad, you didn't pack my salad pets. My coach is going mad. He's told me I've got to do it in my leggings. And, you know, it was just, uh, it was all too much. And in the end, so I just said, Ellie, look, it's your birthday this week. Just come home. I don't want you there if you don't want to be happy. And you're certainly not going to go snowboarding in your leggings. Um, and, you know, her coach had said he'd lend her hers. It's never going to happen. I just thought there's no point of being there. You know, that's when you do get hurt. Yeah. When you're there under false pretenses, you don't want to be there. It's not, You know, and I just thought, oh, you know, just come home and we'll just have to sidestep this camp. It was a, it was, I think it was a five-day camp. She'd missed a day of it already. So we're now on three-day camp and it was, she couldn't buy any salad pets and the result she was because it was the middle of the summer. You know, I just said, come home. Um, yeah, but, it, you know, all of that is pressure. Mm. She then feels like she's let her coach down, her team down, and she's not training for the world, you know, this, that, the other. And it just, it all adds pressure to on top of the fact it's that you've got to find the funding to do all of this, etc. So, so, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, after... Her tragic death. Um, my phone started pinging quite loudly, quite often, um, and I was totally and utterly bemused as to what on earth is going on. And it was Ellie's GoFundMe um, fundraising account. People started putting money money into it, and I was like, so I said to my brother, "What? What is? What is this?" Yeah. It's, and and I got quite upset because I thought if they'd have done this, you know maybe a few months ago, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. However, my brother was quite right, and he said, look, this is people's way of showing that this is affecting them, and they want to show you that they want to do something and make it make a difference. And, and I said, well, what are we going to do with this money? He said, well, why don't we set up a foundation and give it to children like Ellie that need, you know, and take the pressures off the funding of them. And the money kept coming in and it became, a, you know, a very nice amount of money in the end. It was, I think it quite shortly totaled over 30000 Um So we did. We immediately set up the Ellie Suter Foundation, um, tried to make that a, a UK charity, but um, put the wrong words in that, unfortunately. Um, because we said it would be, um, we'd help elite athletes. Well, you can't do that with a charity. You need to, it, it, it has to be non-biased, so it right. has to be for everybody. So we we then just made it a French um, non-profit, so it's a charity in France and not England. Um, however, we then started helping Maisie Hill, was the first athlete we help, and we still do, um, so we made her a grant-funded athlete, and then we've got Maisie Potter, who was um, just 
after um, failing to get to the Olympics, not on her own merit this year, but um, last year, sorry, um, she's decided to step down and retire um, from competition, not from the sport, but from competition at the moment. Um, unfortunately, um, we funded her. We we gave some funding to Mia Brooks, who is yeah. you know now now world champion. Bless her, she's doing she's so incredible. amazing. We're very yeah. proud of her and what she's achieved. Um, but, but I mean, you know, if, if in the likes of Mia Brooks and her family, they I know for a fact that they struggle. It, it, it's huge money. Um, yeah. So we've got little Xavier Poynton. Um, Yes. who's 13 and we've got uh, Charlie Lane who's 16 and you know unfortunately um, in the early days we used to be able to give these kids sort of 10, 12,000 maybe 20,000 in a year we don't have that money it's very difficult to fundraise at the moment yeah. to turn around and say with everything going on in the world oh, oh you know Charlie needs 20,000 to go skiing could you you know put some money in our coffers and sponsor him and this and the other it, it's people it's really need to be in the love of skiing to be able to put money that way um, people, there are people out there that do that thank you so much for all the support we have had over the years because it's quite touching to be honest um, Absolutely. And it allows you to be able to support the athletes like you've mentioned I mean we've had uh, we've spoken to Mia on the podcast and she said about how you know travel the resource of traveling around and competing. And like you said, she's doing amazingly. We've had um, Katie Omerod on the podcast talking about accessibility and stuff like that into the industry. And you're helping these athletes at a young age to hopefully just take a little bit of weight off of their shoulders to allow them to concentrate on enjoying it for a lot longer and enjoying what they're doing rather than having, you know, potentially other stresses that are still going to exist. But if you can help and the people that, like you said, yeah, currently I donate, mean, that's, you know, make it easier. That, 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 that is it. That's it in a nutshell. You know, I just, my brother said to me, he said, look, if you can take the pressure off of one, one athlete, two athletes, three athletes, four, you know, I'd love it to be a lot more. Um, but if we can take some pressure off them and give them some funding, um, I'd love to be able to fully fund four, five, six athletes. I'd love it. Um, but we, besides grant funding, besides giving them money, which does take pressure off them, um, you know, Charlie said it himself, Charlie Lane, he said, that, and so is Abbey, that it's, it's really lovely to know that mummy and daddy are getting a bit of support um, to fund what they're doing, if you like. Um, so, you know, we know it makes a difference. We we, we know it, it helps. But what we do do as well is we will give them a minor body package. So we will give them anything. If they come to us and say, actually, we're not feeling great um, or we need a, a, a sports psychologist or we need a therapist to chat to, you know, we'll make those resources available to those athletes 24-7 if that's what they need. So... It, it's not just giving them money because that could be detrimental because suddenly if we don't have it and you take that away from them, then you could be putting them in, you know, they think they're going to be funded and then all of a sudden we can't fund them. You can make the situation worse. So you have to be very, very careful. Um, It's, um, it would be lovely to be in a position where we, you know, we personally got some sponsorship and was able to fully grant fund, um, 
their sporting careers. Yeah. Yeah. But it's at the moment it's not possible. It'd be um, you know, hopefully we'll find the right funders to come along and we'll find individual funders for individual athletes. Um and, you know, then we can we can say, right, we've done our job, God bless you, we're gonna follow you. You're still in the in the in the in the early foundation family, but you know, there's your funding. We're just gonna watch you do well now. So you know, that would be the lovely position to get into, get corporates to actually, you know, take these athletes on. Yeah. You and fund them from us. And we're we're still give them the health and safety, you know, the the the, the well being package that they that they need to go along with that funding. So yeah. Tony, i I find and I'm sure the people listening to this will also agree it incredibly inspirational how you have turned a, a tragic event into a point of inspiration, learning and support for young athletes that might also be struggling mentally, financially and in other resources. And I, I think it's fantastic what you do in the support of you. We've spoken further outside of this podcast about, um, about how, you know, we are supporting you. How, where can people go yeah. to find out more about the foundation and also to support if they would like to? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, if they go to our website, which is, um, foundation, um, you can you can do anything from be a private sponsor for an athlete um, or a corporate sponsor. We've got corporate packages as well for sponsoring athletes. You could just do a simple donation from as little as a pound or something like that. You know, it just donate some money to to the foundation, and we will make sure that that gets spent. Um, you know, yeah. there's no one taking a wage out of it. We're all volunteers, so every penny that comes into the foundation goes to the athletes. You know, um, we also have um, a range of merchandise, which we sell um, for the foundation called Riding to Win. Um, and that's the one with the little stick man snowboard logo on it, which is really cool. And we have um, Um You can look that up. It, you can shop go onto the shop from our website you can go onto the direct to that website you can buy it in Europe and or in the UK and all of the proceeds and the funds of that merchandise which is all ethical um, sustainable carbon neutral in its manufacture um, all of the all of the proceeds from the sale of that merchandise goes to the foundation as well um, you can also protect your children or yourself by buying a baseline test. And I urge everybody and every athlete to do this because it is so important. You know, if you're outdoors and active, then concussions can happen at any time to anybody and they can, you know, cause serious illness if they're not looked after properly. So, you know, please now we've made it so cheap to get a baseline test. Just go to the website, click on the link, um, and buy yourself a 20-minute online test. Sit it in an exam. It, it gives you all the instructions how to sit it, um, where to sit it, what to do. Sit the test and put it on an app and just carry it with you. Then at least you're protected in, the, in, in as far as someone can tell how badly you've been affected or, or how badly you've had a concussion if you've got one. 
and I, whether you should go back to doing what you're doing or not. So I couldn't echo any of those points more. And all of the relevant links will be in the description of the podcast and uh, in the YouTube description and all of all of the all of the podcast notes. So you can you can click through there. Tony, thank you again. The the only thing that's left from you is I offered you a piece of advice from Pete Whitaker at the beginning, and now is your opportunity to leave a piece of advice for someone who will be coming onto the podcast as a guest in the near future. I would say um, just make sure it, we all need to give ourselves time. We're all very good at giving other people time. Um, and I really do believe that anybody coming on your podcast is a person that is probably, you know, very um, outgoing, generous, sporty, whatever. But it just make sure we give ourselves time as well as other people because um, we all need to take a bit of time out every now and again. And it's very good for you to do so. So, um, yes, that would be my advice. Take some time for yourself every now and again. I think that's a fantastic way to end the podcast. Thank you very much for speaking to us. Thank you, Dominic. Much obliged. Thank you for listening to this episode with our special guest, Tony Souter. As I said at the beginning of the episode, it's an incredibly impactful and tragic story, but I think I just said at the outro there, it's, it's amazing how Tony has been able to turn what is terrible situation and, and an event into something that is going to change the lives of so many young athletes. So Tony, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And I'm so proud that Outside and Active is able to support the work that you are doing. Please, please do go and support them at the Foundation, as well as the other sponsor and supporter of this week's episode, Dry Robe. They've been with us for such a long time and we really appreciate that as well. Thank you, the listener, for listening to this first episode of Season 10. We'll be back next week with another episode. And please help share this podcast. It's the way that we can grow the audience and grow this outside and active community. If you think you know someone who will enjoy these episodes just as much as you, then please do share it with them. Like I said, let's grow this outside and active community. We'll be back with another episode. But until that time, enjoy the outdoors. Enjoy the outdoors.